0: Let's pray together. Thank you, O our Father, for giving us your Son and pouring your love upon us, demonstrating your love to us at Calvary's Cross. How we thank you and praise you for such love. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We adore you. You are wonderful. You are worthy to be praised. Thank you that we can gather once again this morning to dive into your word and allow it to speak to us and minister health to our bones. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are back <laughs> to Matthew, Matthew 18. As you recall, I'm sure, we're looking to the book of Matthew to learn about how to be good kingdom citizens. Matthew is the book that can be subtitled The King and His Kingdom. And Jesus came to be king, didn't he? We just came through the Christmas season where we think of him as the babe in Bethlehem, which is nice and sweet, but he didn't come to be a baby. He came to be the king and to rule and to move into our hearts and to raise his golden scepter, right? And um we need to understand that we have a king. Our savior is the king and we are loyal subjects and we need to learn how to be good kingdom citizens as i've said to you many times if we were going to take a trip to a faraway country whatever country it was we would do some research we would find out what the laws are like there what would land us in prison how to how to one of the countries we we went to when i went was on a missions trip if you used your camera in the airport you would be landed in prison. So you have to know that, don't you? You don't want to get off the airplane and, f- and take a picture of somebody and end up in prison, right? So th- there's things you need to know. There's things you got to learn w- when you go into somebody else's kingdom. And as we get born anew and born again into God's kingdom, we need to learn how to operate in his kingdom, right? And it's an ongoing process. Some people have the mentality that, oh, I'm born again. That's it. I'm done. (laughs) Now I'm on my way to heaven and, and that's it. Well, God would like to grow us and teach us and help us to function so that we're citizens that make a difference, right? It doesn't, our salvation doesn't depend on, on our works, but God needs, just like as in any kingdom, God needs harvest workers, right? He needs good kingdom citizens. So we want to be among them, right? That's why we're looking at this together. We're looking at chapter 18 this, this morning. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Ah, here we have it. The question always, who is the greatest? It's a human nature question. Everybody wants to be recognized. Everybody wants to be acknowledged. It's just born in us. It's innate in human nature, right? It's built in. (laughs) We want to be great. We want to be known. We want people to recognize us. We want people to whatever. It's a human nature thing. When we come into the kingdom of heaven, who's the one who's the most important? Jesus is the one, right? He does need us, but he doesn't need us, (laughs) both at the same time. And we have to remember who gets the glory. Anything that we do for his kingdom, the glory goes to him. So here they have this question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples. This wasn't the outsiders. This was the insiders. And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily, I say to you, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. This is a teaching that we need to grab hold of. That we need to be in our mindset as simple in our faith and committed in our faith as a child. A child has very little suspicion, right? A child trusts in initially, when it's when it's very young, a child trusts and believes what it's told. Normally speaking, right? And simple. Now, it's not complicated for a child, right? <laughs> it's yes or no. It's it's up or down. It's it's just it's just not complicated. If you watch a child, <laughs> and the simplest joys, right? A child doesn't need exotic toys to make it happy. It can play with buttons. It can play with a box. It can play and be happy. It can play with the simplest things. So Jesus is saying that simplicity of mind is what you need as kingdom citizens. Don't complicate it all up. We live in a world that's pretty good at complicating it all up, right? (laughs) And sometimes we're pretty good at complicating it all up for ourselves and we just need to learn to be simple as a child and love and trust our king our king is trustworthy we have a trustworthy king he values faith in our simple faith childlike faith doesn't he we see it as, as he went around and healed people those who had simple childlike faith he he commented on he was he was he exulted in that And when there wasn't that simple childlike faith, it troubled him. So that gives us something to strive for, right? Maybe we've gotten away from that simple childlike faith. And we can just say, Lord, help me to just trust you in that simple childlike faith. I want to do that. I don't want to complicate it all up. I want to trust you with simple childlike faith because that pleases you. All right, actually, it says that unless we trust him like simple children, so we're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's heavy duty, right? We want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And actually, that part of that is, is you know believing that he is this, the Christ, the son of the living God. The, the natural mind, the wisdom of this world, they have a hard time at that, don't they? They stumble at that. That's just too simple. That's just that's just doesn't make any sense. And thankfully, we've all here in this room come to the point where we're like, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And that's what he was looking for. And that's how we get into the kingdom of heaven. It's first step. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So it's not about Telling everybody how great we are, how much we've done, how many places we've been, who we've spoke, you know, it, it's not about that. It's about, it's about humbling ourselves and, and just serving, just serving with a heart of love. And he's the one who promotes. He's the one who gives, who, who gets the glory. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow, that's pretty heavy duty too, isn't it? Preachers start preaching this, they'd be in serious trouble today. But that's the truth of the word of God, right? And it's talking about stumbling someone from believing in Jesus and saying, no, that's too simple, that's... We have to have a passion, as God does, that none perish, but that all come to repentance and not keep away anyone from coming into the kingdom of heaven. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore... If thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Wow. So, (laughs) I don't know what else you want to say about that, but we want to walk without offense, right? Walk within our house with perfect heart, without offense. And again, I believe it refers to hindering people from entering the kingdom of heaven. We don't want to keep people away from the kingdom of heaven, right? Sometimes by our living, we can do that. By our speaking, we can do that. And we want to make sure that all we do glorifies our Father which is in heaven and doesn't bring offense. If your eye offends you, pluck it out, cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. So there we see that, you know, the Lord means business. When we're part of his kingdom, it's not a joking matter. It grieves my heart when I hear the way people, it's blasphemous some of the stuff we hear people saying about Christianity and about just about the the Bible and Christianity even about the you know lately there's this one uh football player who's a Christian and they're making big big jokes and they're making they're they're making big jokes they're making him the butt of, of all kinds of blasphemous blasphemous jokes I don't think God takes that lightly I don't think he takes it lightly and we need to be careful God's God is serious about uh about how we handle the kingdom of heaven and how we handle the word of life. And, and we have to take heed. It's, they, they've made him the butt of a lot of jokes of blasphemous, blasphemous jokes because he openly, he, he gets on one knee, he bends a knee and he thanks God, um, every, openly. And they, they've just made him, you know, they, again, they just made him. And God, again, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. You know, we, we live in a world that mocks God, mocks his word, mocks absolute truth. The the young people of today, they're they're they, they don't believe in absolute truth. Uh well that works for you, that's great, but you know, uh they're, they're not sure that there there is any absolute truth. That's right. And that's and we have to understand that there's a line, there's a line that gets crossed. It's not joking material we even need to be careful i've had to check myself on this because i grew up with the word of god it's it's the it's my familiar zone it's it's the most familiar thing to me in the whole wide world and what happens is you can think of of things that are are humorous and funny you hear the you hear people say something and the words come out kind of funny and you have to, i have to check myself and say okay you know that's the word of god and i and there's a line that can be crossed if you're not careful and we just have to understand we're handling the word. The word is Jesus. The word is Jesus. It's not to be mocked and made light of and taken lightly. And we start making jokes out, out of it. We cross, the, we start crossing the line. And we don't want to do that. It's not, it, we're not, we, we don't, we don't do, um, I think it happens sometimes not out of a bad intention. We're not trying to be blasphemous or, or, But we have to catch ourselves and we have to pay attention. We have to say, no, God's word is sacred. When something is sacred and holy, it's set apart. It's not a part of the uh, marketplace, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? There has to be a reverence, a godly reverence. and, And reverence is lost in our world. Godly fear. It says we're supposed to serve him with godly fear, with reverence and adoration and so we all, we all just have to be careful and sure. So we need to pray. We need to pray. Yes. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Oh wait, wait, wait. Let me back up. <laughs> take heed that verse 10, 1810, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. Not only talking about children, but talking about in faith, newborns, right? When, when we come to Christ, it's, it's called a new birth. So it's talking about little ones in their faith. When someone's born again, we need to handle them gently, right? They're not able to eat meat yet. They need to be handled gently. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels do always behold the face of my father, which is in heaven. For the son of man is come to save that which was lost. There we have it. God is always looking. He's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And we live in a world that is antagonistic against God and his word. And so we have to learn how to walk in wisdom to those that are without. How think ye, if a man, here we have a story about how, Jesus cares for those who are out of the way. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety-nine, and goes into the mountains, and seeks that which is gone astray? And if so be he find it, verily I say to you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went not astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So here you see... That story, which is very well known to all of us, of the sheep, right? A hundred sheep, one wanders off, and the shepherd goes looking for it. The shepherd cares about individual sheep. How wonderful that we're not just a flock to him. We're individuals. He knows us by name. He knows us one by one. And he cares about us. And he rejoices when that one is brought back. Many places it tells us, that there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents, when one person is newborn into the kingdom of heaven, a new person in the kingdom of heaven. The angels, they have a party. They celebrate. They rejoice. We need to understand that. We need to understand that better. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother a biblical principle that we must always remember and which is mostly disregarded in the church realm and outside of it too. (laughs) What what happens when people step on each other's toes? They usually go tell somebody else and talk to everybody else under the sun. And that's not what the Bible says to do. So we're either going to do it or we're not. But if he will not hear thee, if he will not hear thee, then you can take somebody with you that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. But if he neglects to hear him, tell it to the church. And if he neglects to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Huh. There you go. Again, this would be considered very judgmental, wouldn't it? That this is what the Bible says to do. Verily, I say to you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven; whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's in reference to to sin and to offenses. as what it, we we apply it to all kinds of other stuff, but it's this is in context. It's as, as it relates to he had just said if. He, let him be, if if there's no acknowledgement, even in front of the church, let him be a publican, and then whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on. So that's in, in regards to offenses. And again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. These verses we know, don't we? That if two of us agree on earth as touching anything, it will be done. And we, that's, this is, this is, it hinges back into this simple childlike faith. That's simple. That's pretty simple, right? If two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for them, my Father in heaven. That's not real complicated to understand. So do we believe it and do we act upon it? That's the question. And then it says, where two or three are gathered in my name together, I am in the midst of them. This is wonderful, 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 what a hope, right? We don't have to be in a multitude of of ten thousand people before the Lord th- thinks it's worth coming to right there are There are people who go around in the Christian world and set themselves up as as godly voices, but they won't come to your church unless you pay them ten thousand dollars and put them up in the best hotel and f- and pay for their ticket and airfare and 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 all kinds of stipulations that's not i'm sorry but that's not the kingdom that's not the kingdom of heaven that's not kingdom mentality i'm sorry it just isn't <laughs> jesus said yeah that's 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 multi million dollar business right jesus said wherever two or three are gathered in my name i'm coming i'm going to be present That's good news. That's really good news, right? (laughs) Because we can't afford the the 10,000, 5,000, none of them, right? What Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. That's wonderful news. Thank God we have such a king. He cares. He cares about the ones and twos. He cares about individuals. What a personal God we have. Amen. It is. It's incredible. It's wonderful. And, you know, as we understand that, then we know that, wow, the God of the universe, that's mind-boggling. I mean, how can he know everybody's name and carry our names in his hands? And I mean, it's mind-boggling, right? Yet it's truth. And as we rest, as we know, as we come to know him and see his care and his watchfulness over our lives, we come to a place of more rest. And Hebrews talks about that. Yeah, We enter into rest. Because we've we've found God is trustworthy. And there ain't no surprises coming down the pike that he's not prepared for. And so we, we can rest. We don't have to fret so much. You know, there's people that live their life constantly fretting about every situation that comes up. Life is hard, right? I mean, life throws all kinds of stuff at all of us. None of us are exempt from that. And you can spend your whole life fretting over everything or you can choose to say, well, I know who God is, and I know he cares for me, and I know he'll work this out somehow to the good, and um, he's faithful. And so it's a process. We don't always get there perfectly, but we're working on it, right? We're working on getting there. And we may have times where something happens, and we're a little troubled, and then we go, okay, wait a minute, I know who God is. And that's, that's the learning. That's the learning that God's looking for, that we learned. We can trust him. We can rest in him. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, (laughs) now Peter is still a little bit troubled about this, you know, thing about offenses, right? He says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Now, he thought that was the outside limit of possibilities. (laughs) Seven times would be the max. Jesus said to him, I say to you, until 70 times, not until seven times, not until seven times, but until 70 times seven. (laughs) Now, Jesus didn't mean to keep score until 490. What he meant by that was, don't count. Forget about it. Right. Offenses come. We get our toes stepped on. Forget about it. (laughs) Forget about it. That was mind-boggling to Peter. Therefore is the kingdom, now Jesus continues, okay, about the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay his Lord, commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. He would not went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw it was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said to him, O oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldst thou not also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had on thee? And his lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Wow, quite a story. And there's much in here that just reading through, maybe we miss. First of all, the first man owes a huge debt, doesn't he? Un- cannot pay it. Cannot pay it. And the king, we're going to call him the king, says, I'm going to sell you and your household. I'm going to sell you into, let's see, let's just make sure we say it right here. His Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So he would be sold into servitude, like s- slavery, And he wasn't getting the wage. The king was going to get the wages, his wages. You understand? So that was the penalty. And then he begs for mercy. And the king, out of the goodness of his heart, forgives him the whole debt. Now he goes out about his business. He should be happy as a clam, right? (laughs) And some guy owes him a few dollars. And he goes and he nearly chokes the guy and says, pay me what you owe me. And he throws that guy into debtor's prison. Now that man is thrown in debtor's prison. Think about that. Now, others witness this and they go and tell the king, you know what, the man who you forgave that huge debt to, you know what he did? He went and threw somebody in prison for 10 bucks or whatever. And so now the king doesn't just go back and go back to his initial verdict after he called him said that wicked servant I forgave you all his lord his lord was wroth delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him those are the bill collectors okay this man was going to be harassed until he paid the last penny it wasn't just now servitude where he could pay it back now he was also going to be harassed and where is the man where is the man that owed him the 10 bucks he's in prison he's in prison so likewise shall my heavenly father do to you if you get from your hearts do not forgive every brother his trespasses we see here an astounding truth when we refuse to forgive another their trespass against us. Our unforgiveness actually keeps them in what? It keeps them in bondage. It keeps them imprisoned. Our unforgiveness affects other people. Our unforgiveness damages the kingdom of heaven. We must understand this. Forgiveness releases the prisoner and us forgiveness is god's rule all the time i have heard all kinds of stories experienced all kinds of stuff and you can say what you want but bottom line is when we see jesus hanging on the cross saying for father forgive them for they know not what they are doing how can we not forgive one another? Of course, we must forgive. Doesn't make the person who harmed us or trespassed against us get off the hook. That's where we have stinking thinking. We think, well, if I forgive them, then, then there's no accountability for them. God is not stupid. God is a, God is a God of accountability. They have to get, whatever harm they've done us, <laughs> They have to give account to God for. Let me tell you, He is no man's debtor. And you can, you can hold on to that unforgiveness all your life long and you'll be sick and miserable and it all and, and hindered. Your prayers are hindered. It says it hinders your prayers. Your prayers don't go through. So this is a powerful, powerful lesson. Do you know how many people are living in places of unforgiveness and we just need to always check up on our own hearts and say, Lord, there's anything, any oh piece of unforgiveness in me, here it is. Put it down at the bottom of the cross and just let it go. It's easy for it to creep into our hearts. We don't need to feel condemned if we find that there is unforgiveness in our hearts. It, 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 it happens, but we can deal with it. We can take it to the cross and leave it there. We can get rid of it, and we, like I said, Doesn't let the people who've harmed us or trespassed against us off the hook, not off God's hook. God is not a unjust judge. God is just. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, he shall. And we can rest in that. And that is really kind of what the parables tell us, that God is going to, there's going to be an account, accounting day. There's going to be a day where we stand before him and have to give an account of what we've done in our bodies, whether good or bad. And so we don't have to worry about that part of it. That part of it's not up to us. Our part is to forgive, period, exclamation point. And so we have to have a passion for that. We have to have a passion for that, a passion for that, passion for that. As we see in the word, that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't draw healthy boundaries. Jesus drew some pretty hefty, healthy boundaries, didn't he? He threw the money changers out of the, uh, out of the synagogue. Okay. Let's not misunderstand this. This isn't just love, love, nice, nice, everything goes kind of mentality. No. No. Sometimes we have to draw some healthy boundaries, but that doesn't mean that we don't harbor, we don't harbor the unforgiveness. We understand? We understand? Healthy boundaries are okay. They're a good thing. Jesus, Jesus taught us. That that's necessary sometimes. Jesus taught us that we need to deal with things, but not harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. So it's, a, it's an amazing. It's an amazing, it's a beautiful. It's two sides of the coin, isn't it? There's discipline, but there's unforgiveness. But there's forgiveness, whatever, whichever way you want to say it, right? There's discipline, but there's forgiveness. Discipline, forgiveness. Discipline, forgiveness. And the two go together. You can't just go all on, on the forgiveness and not not on the discipline. They go together. Just as a, ch- a father disciplines his child. My father used to tell us, it hurts me more than it hurts you to discipline you. Well, that didn't make no sense as a kid. but <laughs> well, But when you're a grown-up, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You understand it. You get it. It hurts your heart to discipline your child. But without the discipline, there is no forgiveness. And you need the both sides. You need the both sides. And then he would say, I forgive you. Now we're going to forget about it. And this is how our Father in heaven is. We have to understand this. It's a kingdom principle. And probably one of the biggies, (laughs) one of the biggies that we have got to let rule our existence and our living. And and as in everything that God is expects of us it is for our benefit today the medical world and the psychiatric world they are connecting the dots themselves to unforgiveness leading to medical issues and problems in people's hearts and lives donna is teaching on on that on on wednesday nights and we're going to hear more of that and that's that's just truth that's just god's truth it's like The Israelites, when he took them out into the wilderness, he gave them a lot of rules and regulations, didn't he? What did he do that for? Because he thought they they needed a lot of rules and regulations? He did that for their protection, for their health, to make it safe for them. They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have, um, they didn't have uh, running water, faucets and running water and hot water and all of that kind of stuff. So, all of those, all of those stipulations and rules and regulations for their eating habits weren't religious, weren't to be made a religion out of. It was so that they would live, so that they would live and be well and, 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 and be protected and cared for. God wanted them to be, to be well. He cared about them. And so, and, and if, once we get that mentality, that whatever God is asking of us and putting out there for us to do, guess what? It's for our good. It's not to harm us. It's to protect us. It's to help us. It's to improve our living and our so that we might, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. Abundanza. How's that going to happen unless we're following the kingdom principles and it's for our benefit. So we have much to be thankful for and just continue to press in and ask the Lord to help us to live his word. Thank you, Lord, for your word that always instructs us and teaches us and guides us in the way in which we should go. Help us, Lord, to live it, Lord. We don't want to just talk about it. We do want to live it, Lord. Help us, Lord, and show us where we don't, that we will line ourselves up. And we love you, Lord, and we just thank you that you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.